Hello, and welcome to the Wild Blue Podcast, perspectives on aviation lives, lifestyles, and business. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to the Wild Blue Podcast. My name is Todd Minton. I'm here with uh, Chris Kirk. Chris, today, uh, I thought we might talk about buying aircraft in this challenging market. Uh, there's a lot of considerations. Every market, obviously, making a big purchase on aircraft is is always uh, a challenge and always something that's going to sort of consume a, a person for a period of time. But, man, in today's market, aircraft are selling quickly. Aircraft are going for higher prices than they were even six months ago, let alone six years ago. So I thought we might want to discuss a few uh aspects of this market and, and and of buying an aircraft in general and what what we might look for what we might recommend that buyers look for you got any thoughts on on that yeah let's let's start off and looking at what the the current market is right now so here we are in june uh, 2021 and for the last well at least the last eight to ten months it's been a, a very strong sellers market you agree with that oh yes um and so you know there's uh there's a lot of activity i mean everybody knows as you look at you look at uh, uh recreational vehicles or uh you know the housing market at least in our area is super strong uh, my wife and i were looking at uh eric and i were looking at maybe getting a boat this summer you yeah. know and I, I rapidly gave up on that idea because number one there's just nothing out there and number two what some of these people wanted for you know, a decent pontoon boat. <laughs> like you gotta be kidding me. I'm just not gonna, not gonna do it. So it's not, not a lot different uh, than the, at least the activity in the airplane market. I mean, there's, there's just tons and tons of activity. And, you know, I, in fact, I had a conversation with a guy this morning that called us to talk about our buyer's agent service. And, uh, you know, he's, he was like, well, you know, I'm just looking at getting a real deal. And, and ultimately we just kind of decided just to part company for the time being, because I, I told him, I said, look, if you're looking for a screaming deal, it ain't going to happen right no, now. No, uh, You, you, you are probably uh, going to overpay uh, based on at least what historical values have been, at least uh, recent historical values. And, you know, and if you keep, uh, if you're looking to turn in the airplane fairly quickly in the next two or three years, you're probably going to lose a little bit of money on it. It's a good chance of that. So, you know, that's, that's kind of the gist of it. Yeah. Everybody wants an airplane right now and that's fantastic. But we try to paint a real accurate picture with that, that, you know, you're probably um, probably going to overpay. Well, I think it's important to note, uh, I had a discussion via email with an uh, individual recently who mentioned it's just supply and demand. And I said, I think it's a lot more demand issue than is supply. The supply hasn't changed. The airplane, number of airplanes out there is roughly the same. It's been for a number of years. The demand has just apparently gone way up. I, yep. I have no other explanation. Yep. Maybe maybe it's you can't rent airplanes like you used to. I thought flying clubs had made somewhat of a of a comeback, but maybe maybe they still are limited in their uh, in in markets or whatever it may be. But for whatever reason, we obviously have seen a, a tremendous increase in demand for aircraft, which uh, which leads to concerns. For example, yeah. overpaying. So, and I think uh, you know we were I was having this conversation with somebody the other day too, uh, and I, you know, I think there's a lot of reasons for the demand, 
um, somebody was saying, well, it's because we've got, you know, people are making more money and they've got, they're more flush with cash. Well, that may be the case, but I, I think despite what, uh, what, what the, uh, the mainstream media might be trying to convey otherwise, we are still a freedom seeking society. And when you go through COVID like we did, uh, for the last, you know, what, 14, 16 months, and people telling you when and where you can go and, and all these other things. Uh, there's been a lot of people saying, you know, to heck with that. I'm not, gonna, uh, I'm not going to uh, restrict what I'm doing. Uh, I'm not going to uh, be beholden to uh, some uh, unknowing bureaucrats. Uh, you know, this is my editorializing, of course, but they're, they're, they're power grab. And, um, and I want to be able to get to where I want to go or need to go. Sometimes it's business, you know, and, and now, you know, especially at the time when airline schedules are coming back, but the airline schedules were just, man, you couldn't get somewhere. True, true. They really uh, backed off service for a period of time. And I'm sure that opened up at least some people's thought process to the idea of, of owning it and using a general aviation aircraft for travel around the country and certainly within a region that they that they live in you just well then on top of that uh, you know you can't rent a car today hardly you can't you've uh, experienced that a lot yeah i have uh and uh it makes it a challenge in our business even to uh when we go because we do go see every airplane and now if we have to fly commercially to go see it then we have to be able to travel from the commercial airport to the general aviation airport where the aircraft is so uh, it sure is nice when we can actually fly there and we can't go, we sell airplanes all over the country. And so sometimes we can't fly our own airplanes, but it sure is nice when we can fly our own yeah. airplanes, uh, because then it's, then the schedule is ours and, and the decision to, uh, wear a mask or whatever it may be is, and now I'm going to go down an editorial path as I'm not careful. So, uh, we should get on back on topic here. Bottom line is the demand is way up on, it on, is way on up. this. So it is way up, you know, so we've got, got our little, little list of things here that we're looking at. The next one's offers. So not only are you overpaying, but you've really got to be set up to, to make an offer when the right airplane comes along. Because for those of you that, that need time to think things over, that need to mull things over. Uh, you, you know, uh, this market is probably particularly frustrating to you because you you do that. You like to have that own processing time, that own due diligence time. Uh, somebody else is going to come and get the airplane almost inevitably, and so you've got to be prepared with, okay, you know, what are my criteria? What am I willing to pay for it? And ultimately. What is my highest and best offer going to come down to? Because I can go out there and throw out a lowball offer. In the meantime, and this, you know, I'm not just trying to say this to promote our business because I think it's happening just about everywhere. But in the meantime, you're getting five or six other offers. Well, guess what? They just forgot about you. That's exactly right. And uh, and and if they remembered you, they remembered you as the lowball buyer that they don't want to deal with. Mm -hmm. So you really need to come in serious and say, okay. This is my highest and best. This is what I'm what I'm willing to um, what I'm willing to swallow here because I can't I can't take on any more. But I also understand that if I go back to the 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 slightly old school way of, of offering back and forth back and forth, you're probably going to turn the seller off if they haven't already had two or three other offers higher than yours come in. Right, and we have seen uh, bidding wars on on airplanes, and that's not. Historically, you go back over the years, that's not historically how things went in, in this. We'd prefer that not to be the case, honestly. 
but from a seller perspective, it certainly is advantageous. It won't go on forever, but it just points out that right now, and, and we don't know when it'll end, by the way, but it does point out that you need to be ready and you need to be aggressive. I think probably more airplanes, just like more cars, more boats, and so on, are selling for at asking price than ever. Yeah. Yep. Houses. Houses. I mean, everything. True. It's just it's just amazing, you know. And uh, um, and and asking prices have have climbed. There are some, <clears throat> I think, still some sellers that maybe don't have a, a their pulse on the market when they go to sell their airplane and they may price it a little lower and, and if you recognize that as being a, a reasonable amount you may want to offer asking price if, yeah if that's the case uh, well we were just talking a little bit ago about uh, I know two people that have mentioned to me that they sold their airplane and what they sold it for and I just kept my mouth shut and uh, smiled and said congratulations but the numbers that they mentioned were well below what uh, I know what we or probably any other broker could have gotten for them because we know what those airplanes are really selling for. And they, they had that pressure coming from a buyer. So we're kind of talking a little bit more to sellers here. But, you know, they had a little bit of that pressure from the buyer to move quickly, and they did. Um, so you, you've got to, uh, you know, you've got to know on the buying side or on the selling side, rather, you've got to know what, what your airplane is worth. And on the buying side, you definitely got to got to know what it's worth to you, uh, and, and you know how much. Really, the question is, is how much longer are you willing to wait? I think the key thing you said there was how much it's worth to you, because we do tend to think that this market will level off. It may even fade uh, some in, in two or three years, and 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 what you paid for the aircraft today may be twenty thousand dollars higher than what what you could have what you can sell it for at that point in time or more. Then again, I could be wrong. You know, we just don't know, but, uh, but you have to decide that's a personal decision. Is it worth paying a premium price today to have access to that aircraft today? So that's, uh, to me, that's a personal decision. And I, uh, I mean, I, I think a lot of people are saying yes, it yep. is. It they is are because we're seeing the buyers. They, that's right. They are. And now here's something I saw that was funny. I was I actually found this via forum the other day, which we had a conversation about that earlier. But uh, about a broker um, that had made a comment about uh, VREF don't, and this is his words: VREF don't sell airplanes. I do, and how that had turned off a couple of people who were buying. The reality of it is, guys, the guy was right. Um, you, if you're looking at VREF numbers. Uh, and hoping to get your airplane for that or expecting that to be you know, exact. It's not. It is more art than it is science. And, uh, and a lot of airplanes are selling for over what VREF shows. And, you know, people will call us and they'll ask us, say, hey, that's all I'm coming up with on VREF. And, you know, we'll acknowledge that. Say, so you're, you're, you're right. Uh, here's the challenge. Uh, they are selling for higher and, and other people will come in and they will offer higher. Yes. So, um, you know, in, in other times, it might have been, yeah, you're right, let's talk and let's see where we can go with this. Uh, we, want, we still want to be cordial and, and try to educate you on as much of it as possible. But the reality of it is, if you're going off of those numbers, you're, uh, yeah, I hate to say it, but you're probably going to be looking for another airplane again. That's exactly right. You're not, 
because it's the market is moving faster than VREF is, is moving at the end of the day. Uh, and, and so this would be a kind of a good time to look at uh, what airplanes <laughs> might you have to consider today that you would not have considered oh, wow. three or four years ago. Yeah. So and there's a there's a couple paths we can go down that. Uh, not only maybe it's a different type of airplane, maybe it's an older airplane or something like that. And then also within a category of airplanes or a specific type that you know you want, uh, things that you're going to have to overlook. So first off, which way do you want to take that? You know, yeah, that's a good uh, that's a good way to put it. What are you going to have to overlook, and what are you going to have to settle for? Really? Right. Right. So you may have have wanted a uh, a Saratoga, but you might end up with a Lance or something. It's kind of where I'm going on the bigger category thing. So yeah, uh, I would. Uh, you may have to broaden what you're looking at because the pricing has come up, and it may have, you know, maybe over the course of the last two or three years, you thought, well, I can afford this much in a couple of years. I'm gonna, get, I want to get that Saratoga, but now we've come to that point. Saratoga's a gone up $25,000, you may want to start thinking about a Lance. Yeah, or you may want to start thinking about, hey, you know what, that, that green and yellow interior is not so bad after all. Yeah, that's, that's a good or, point. Or, uh, you know, yeah. um, maybe, maybe I can live with that old, uh, uh, you know, that old radio or or whatever. You that's know? that's also a good point. You know, you, there's opportunity to buy maybe once equipped with a 430 or something, and, and I mean, do you really need to the, a 750 to I mean, sure, it'd be nice, but but the 430, at the end of the day, the airplane is still going to get you from point A to point B with the 430. So you're right. Those are the kind of, of, of uh, I hate to say, how would I word it, soft requirements maybe that, right. that, yeah. that you need to start uh, considering I can, I can live with or without. The question I think you got to, it boils down to is you got to ask yourself, do I love flying and do I want to be able to fly? Or do I only, or can I only fly in, you know, this specific of an airplane, right? I mean, can can I only fly in a post-1990 A36 where maybe in the reality I can get an early 70s F33 uh, because that's where the prices are right now? A lot of guys, too, talk about uh, both airframe and engine time, but specifically engine time. And I think that's a good area where you might be able to, to do somewhat well in the long run, because if if you're willing to buy an aircraft that's that's a little closer to TBO, you know you've got a legitimate argument for buying that at less cost. I mean, with the seller and negotiating and so on, and the demand on that particular airplane, if things got 1,650 hours on a 2,000 hour TBO or 1,700 hours, you know you might have a good a a leg to stand on right. as far as negotiating and and honestly you know if you're only going to fly the airplane i mean you you can buy yourself two or three years in that case maybe uh before you have to overhaul the engine and maybe financially you'll be you know you start saving for it and you work toward that so that's that's a, an area in today's market that i think i would definitely consider in order to rein in my my cash outlay today yep uh, and some things might be deferred squawks. So, uh, you know, maybe maybe you're willing to accept something that somebody hasn't done that you would prefer to have done, or maybe it actually needs to be done, but that could be a negotiating tool. 
but the flip side of it is, is especially if it's a deferred uh, discretionary item, don't expect the seller to comply with that. So, you know, again, talking on the Saratoga thing, had a guy call the other day about an airplane. Um, it wasn't even one we were we were representing, but it was. Uh, he's like, you know that. Uh, I'm trying to think of the service bulletin. The service bullet where you pull the wing tanks, oh yeah, and yeah. inspect the spar and all that's that's like a seven year item by the you know per the factory. The reality of it is it's not required at all. Right. And you know service he was bullet. he was letting that get in the way, and I'm um, like you know, um, the, the, number one it's not required, and number two back to the thought there's there's probably three or four buyers lined up behind you, and he's willing to move on to the next guy to make it as easy of a deal for him as he can. So we find that over and over again, whether it's guys that sell an airplane by themselves or whether we are representing them, really what it boils down to on the offer that you structure is how easy are you going to make it on that seller? You know, I mean, hurdles include financing and delays in financing. They include a, a really onerous pre-buy inspection. Yes. Uh, it involves delivery. Uh, it involves, uh, you know, any kind of oddities in closing uh, if it's a foreign uh, transaction. So the more of those items you can get off of the table, the easier it's going to be to tell the or for the seller to say, "Hey, I'm I'm willing to I'm willing to accept that." In fact, we will encourage a seller oftentimes to take a lower price if the offer is clean, because we've been down this enough times to know that when the offer is not clean, it almost always ends up costing the seller more money at the end of the day. Absolutely. I think you just hit a bunch of points there that I hope I hope potential buyers were listening to because there are people that just have a, a mindset that they want to win a deal or, or they're just, I don't know, they just have this kind of an attitude that they're going to be, uh, well, I'm not going to get taken at all. Well, of course, you shouldn't get taken, but but you can let that attitude creep into things that are unnecessary. Make the the seller ultimately say, "No, I'm not going to deal. I'm not going to deal with with these mm -hmm. issues." So, if you're inclined to be that way, you know, first of all, first of all, we all should be honest with ourselves. How how are we in a, in a in doing a deal? And and then, secondly, if you're inclined to be that way, you may want to really either think about backing some of that off so you can buy an airplane or you may want to wait until the market has changed which may be maybe six months it may be six years we right. don't know we're getting that third party in between that broker or that is helping you um that broker who is helping you uh with the process and and separating your emotions from um you know from the realities of that negotiation, yeah. putting you that one further step away. I think that is a benefit that that brokers, whether it be us or or someone else, offers in a sort of a buyer service scenario that that uh, allows us to be a voice of reason as a as a third party, and uh, I think that's well worth investigating if if. If you're of that kind of a, a mindset. Well, Todd, what is it we've seen lately that uh, has been kind of a hurdle as these airplanes go through that pre-purchase inspection process? Well, well, let's see. What hurdles have we seen uh, recently? We've seen some that want to go a little 
too far away. Uh, so but what's the, that. you know, I'm, I'm kind of thinking of one thing in, in, in general. Uh, you know, we get these, these we're sending a 30-year-old airplane, even a 10-year-old airplane, in for yeah. pre-buy. What's, what's been a bigger okay. hurdle that we've well, seen? Yeah, we've seen them wanting to, to compare it to a new airplane, uh, uh, set the standard. At least that's that's what comes to my mind, is we've seen ones that have been the, the standard for your 35-year-old airplane is the 2021 airplane. Right. And, and that's... Uh, you have you can't you can't do that you can't expect a, a 19 uh well when we had one a while back uh, what was that 94 b36 tc that the standard was a 2019 or whatever the year was g36 and, yeah and it's just not that's not reasonable yeah you know when, when a shop comes back with uh you know 40 items and most of them are little nickel and dime items that you know, they're trying to trying to make your airplane brand new or this airplane brand new. Uh, that's, that's usually a non-starter, and that's that's one of those things you've got to be willing to overlook and say, okay, you know, what are the what are the so-called big rocks here that I need to address, and that we want to have addressed, and you know, what can I what can I live with? What can I what can I overlook? What can I you know back to the the settle with? Right. I mean, obviously things like you know major corrosion or or uh, uh, cracks that are I mean real safety of flight issues, those are things that, you know, in a pre-buy, you definitely want to get that checked. There may be a point where the fact that uh, a, I don't, I don't know, a, a, some screws in the panel is stripped or whatever, I, I mean, that, I, I don't know. I don't, I think yeah. you have to be reasonable on that. Well, you, you're right. You have to be reasonable, but you also have to be, you, you got to be honest with it. So, for example, um, and I, this is one of those things that kind of irritates me a little bit when I see a pre-buy inspection come back and it talks about something. Okay. For example, uh, you, we just kind of a, a pretend thing here, but let's say we've got an airplane that's got the engines at TBO. All right. And then the shop will come back and say, all right. And then the, the price has been negotiated by the way, as right. you know, Hey, this engine's going to need to be replaced. Everybody knows that, right? You're getting an airplane that you're going to have to replace the engine on. But the shop will come back and say, well, you know, cylinders three, four, and five, they're down at 50. And, low, yep. and you know, and uh, your accessories need to be overhauled and this and that. And so and they, they throw on a, you know, an X number of dollar uh, item, line item on the uh, on the estimate. And, you know, then they're wanting that to be fixed. You're like, no, no, that, that, is, that is not reasonable. It does not pass the reasonable test. And so, um, you know, and again, as a buyer, at least in this market, um, you've got to be willing to uh, know those those material facts up front. Um, but, you know, you got to be willing to overlook them as well. I think sometimes if you're a first-time seller, sure, you bought an airplane a few years ago, got your private pilot license, you bought an airplane, and now you're you're ready to upgrade, or you found you know life's changed, and you're you're in a situation where you need to sell the airplane, but you're not overly experienced in in the process overall. And those are the kind of things that you may uh, uh, a savvy buyer may be able to <laughs> kind of take advantage of a seller if the seller's got no help, right? You know, if he's trying to do it on his own and and figures, well, I, it was easy to sell, so I did it that way. But you may, and, and you referenced a little while ago, guys selling airplanes for undervalue in, in today's markets. That's where you may find yourself. 
Well, we'll, we'll do a future podcast maybe on some contractual items both you as the buyer and seller ought to be looking at. And, you know, uh, we, we always try to structure a sale that's very equitable so that it, if it makes sense uh, and, you know, through the pre-purchase inspection process uh, that the seller, the buyer gets out of it, then they get out of it with their, their deposit refunded. Uh, we're not interested in holding anybody's deposit money or, no. or obligating them towards anything else. And so sometimes you'll see some of those onerous contracts. So I think we're going to do another podcast both on some some contractual terms that you should look for and some that should uh, raise the hair on the back of your, your neck. Um, and then, uh, you know, as we wrap this up, if, if you're, you know, especially if you're new, like Todd just mentioned, if you're looking at buying an airplane, um, you know, consider where you're getting your advice. And we just did a, a podcast. Uh, it'll be the podcast just previous to this one. Uh, and it'll be, uh, you know, where, where are you getting your advice? Are you, uh, do you have a mentor? Is there somebody that uh, you trust or are you just, you know, taking blind advice from uh, the, uh, the know-it-alls that permeate social media? And so uh, that's one that we would encourage you to listen to as well so that you can kind of filter the wheat from the chaff. We've got, we've got good information, I think, on these podcasts. We do try to be honest and upfront. I think we've got good information on our website, too. So check it out, you know, at uh, www.flywildblue.com or give us a call, 888-473-479-2723. Holy crap. <laughs> I just oh I don't yeah, know. Yeah, actually, I actually call us on that. That's actually not the, the correct one. Let's do the 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 toll free is eight 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 seven seven three four two four nine. Yes. Or the uh, the eight one six number is eight one six four seven nine two seven two three. Most folks just reach us via our website flywildblue.com or you can email us at planes at flywildblue.com. So thanks again for listening. Hope this uh, was of value to you. Thank you everybody. Thanks for listening to the Wild Blue Podcast. Find us online at flywildblue.com. And don't forget to subscribe and share.